advisory services offered through Securities America Advisors, Inc. Investors Advantage and the Securities America companies are separate entities. The opinions and forecasts expressed are those of the author, may not actually come to pass, and should not be construed as a recommendation of any security or investment plan. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Welcome to Fiscal Fitness with your hosts, John Grace and Daniel Medina. They have all the questions about investing, planning, retirement, and the future. You could say it's all they live for. While it can seem daunting getting everything sorted out and the important questions answered, they'll do their best to make it that much easier. Now, here's John Grace and Daniel Medina. Good afternoon to this beautiful Wednesday, folks. This is John Grace and Daniel Medina here on Fiscal Fitness at Voice America. Delighted you could spend some time with us. And I kind of feel like uh, what Ed Sullivan used to say, and of course, Daniel doesn't know anything about Ed Sullivan, but he'd say, you know, we have a really good show for you tonight on Sunday, right? So we have a very interesting show for you this afternoon on Wednesday. This is what we do from 12 to 1. And let me give you a quick outline as to what we're going to cover. The first item is, I think it's just fascinating. Women, guess what? You win. Can you believe it? You win. Uh, we will show you how. But over the long term, it appears that women are better investors than men. Isn't that contrary to what everyone knew to be true? Uh, and we'll talk about that in terms of the, you know, we, we always look like, uh, look, we always look at both sides of the equation, right? The good news and the bad news. And then, you know, with a coin, you have the edge. So there's always different perspectives to look at things. But we, we certainly love finding these things that show to be different or maybe more factual than some of the beliefs that we've held over the years or some of the lines that we've shared with each other. Uh, right. And then we're going to look at millennials uh, in terms of they're really good savers. But are they doing it right? Do they really know what they're doing or are they just throwing darts in the dark? Um, and then uh, looks like the stimulus checks are in the mail or are soon to be deposited into your bank account. What's your plan? We'll look at uh, some of the good ideas and some of the sketchy ideas that we're seeing out there. But remember, our trademark happens to be the proof is in the planning. So it's all about the planning. That's where the emphasis is on our part. And we don't think that that could be understated. We often suggest that people put their plan of action together before they get a big check, okay? Because sometimes what happens, you get a big check and they just go blow it, right? It's a whole lot of money. Then it's gone, as opposed to taking the time, not any different than ta taking the time to put a vacation package together. You don't do that in 30 minutes, typically. You have a good sense long before you get to wherever you're going, what you're going to do and what you're going to see. Uh, and that way you are able to meet your the, the, the plan with the expectations or the reality, as opposed to be left in shock and awe, which so many are, of us seem to be really good at, uh, because we don't plan well. We don't look at what's the worst scenario. Not that that's negative, but it helps us recognize if you can deal with the worst scenario, then probably you're fine. Uh, and if you need to change some things, you probably want to know this scenario might show up uh, before it does show up, right? It's kind of like, thank goodness the cars these days have all kinds of ways to keep you safe. 
um, and, and and they're working on uh, ways that the cars could be designed so they don't they don't even enter into an accident. So right now they're trying, the cars are designed to keep you safe after an accident. How do we avoid an accident? So that's a nice metaphor, if you will, from the standpoint of how many people are prepared for an accidental market loss that might uh, be worse than anybody imagined. And and given the work that we do, that's one of the reasons Daniel and I are doing the show is because based on the um, talks that we have with a lot of folks, they're not prepared at all. And I mean, not at all. When we talk about the strategies of uh, active management, they, they don't know what that is. Uh, the concept of greater diversification. They, they haven't been, not much has been shared with them as to what that might mean. And that's our one-two punch. I mean, that we learn more about uh, how active management worked in 2000 to 2002, and then again, 2008, uh, 2018, first quarter just a year ago. So that's the whole notion that instead of just holding shares and watching the price go down like the Titanic, do we move out of losing positions in some kind of systematized fashion that is automatic so we don't have to try to catch you, you don't have to catch us, we don't have to try to guess what we're doing. And that's what part of what we're saying. It's not about the prediction, it's about the preparation and employing these systems like the cars that keep you from getting hurt and now they're working on keeping you from having an accident altogether, making the cars talk <laughs> to each other so that they avoid each other. What a, what a, what a concept, right? But it, the, the real question becomes, if you see that much technology when it comes to automobiles to keep you safe, what kind of technology can you take advantage of to keep your assets safe, okay? To keep your assets from being handed to you, if you will. Unfortunately, we there there's a lot of capability and on very, a variety of ways where people can employ some of these strategies but the professionals, for the most part, our peers uh, here, we've only been doing this since 1979, uh, we don't uh, look at those or we don't really emphasize some of these different ways of managing the money. So we're left saying buy and hold, hold and hope, sit and take it, buy the dips. And that might work, but then it, it may not work, particularly during the time where you have both a market loss on top of consistent withdrawals. That's hard to beat because that means the momentum generally is working in the opposite direction. And that means that you could have some, some, some losses that you just can't recover from. So we'll get into these subjects that I've described a little bit. Uh, as we do every week, we like to talk about how the markets are doing for the year, not just for the day. We think this is uh, helpful to be able to get a sense for, for what's going on. And if we're looking at it daily, you, you don't see any kind of trend. It's hard to really get your mind wrapped around what it did. And then, of course, we're always trying to explain why it was up or why it was down, but uh, it's it's difficult to see what, what's really going on. So, so far, the Dow is certainly enjoying a, a good day up about 200 points, uh, up uh, 0.63, that's six-tenths of 1%. Year-to-date, the Dow, this is from January 1 through, as we're talking in real time right now, 7.9%. That's a, that's a, that's a very nice return for what? the first uh, month or two months and 17 days in 2021, right? When you're getting what, 0.16 on bank accounts for the year and this up, this uh, the Dow is up nearly 8%, 7.90% year to date, that's, that's not bad. So we'll see how that continues. Looking uh, more broadly at the S&P 500, 
we can see that it's also a good day for the uh, the largest stock index, and that index is up not much in terms of the day's change. And this seems to be following the Fed remarks, by the way, but it's up 18 points and year to date up 5.93%. Again, nearly 6% for the year. Again, compared to the banks at maybe 25 basis points, 16, that's 0.16%, uh, right? And you get to pay taxes uh, on that return if it's outside of a retirement account. And then let's look at the NASDAQ. Now, notice this is really interesting because uh, this is the exact opposite of where we were a year ago. Now, where we were with the market a year ago, right now, we the market peaked on February 19th, if I'm not mistaken, dropped to 35% by March 23rd. That was in the span of five weeks. And part of the reason I mentioned that is, is to notice how quickly when those declines happen, they can just erase your, your assets. That's having your assets handed to you. So the question becomes when, or I think it's more of a when than it is an if, it, when the next decline is um, uh, similar to what we saw in 2018 off 20 and what we saw in 2020 off 35%. When the next decline hits, let's suppose, imagine it might be worse than 20 or more worse than 35. Have we, you as the investor, learned anything? Have you discovered what kind of loss you could live with? Have you implemented any kind of strategies to keep your assets more whole so that the loss might be reduced as opposed to what the market is doing. Last year, NASDAQ was running off to the races, right? It was new highs almost every day. Uh, this year, and it was the Dow, the old companies, if you will, that was seeming to have to drag along. Now we have the reverse going on, and we're going to talk about that. But uh, the, it is an update update for the, the NASDAQ. Um, and uh, we're looking at about uh, two and a half percent. Now that's the NASDAQ 100. Let me make sure that we take a look at uh, the, uh, the market itself, the NASDAQ market itself. That's the 100. And, and one of the reasons we look at the 100 along with uh, you know, the other stocks is to see where the indicators are. So about two for the 100, 5.3 for NASDAQ, the composite index, up 100 points so far this day. Uh, so 5.31 is the year-to-date return. Now, one of the things that we've seen that we are seeing today that reminds us of 2000 to 2002, and I think, Daniel, you were, you were what, in high school about that time? Just graduating high school. Yeah, that's okay. Just started college. There we go. So Daniel might not have been looking at this as he's on his way to college and applying and all that kind of stuff. But uh, what we saw 2000, 2002 is remember, it was 95 through 2000, uh, from my recollection, while the S&P and the, and the Dow doubled, say 100,000 went to 200,000, the NASDAQ quadrupled in that five or six year period. So by comparison, 100,000 grew to 400,000 in about five or six years. That's just a rocket ship, right? Uh, and then we saw that as the 80% on the other side of that peak, right? What happened? Well, it was the smaller uh, dot-com companies that were disappearing or filing bankruptcy. Um, certainly their stock prices were declining. And then we got to the companies like, uh, um, you know, the, the big tech companies. Uh, and the, they, they suffered an 80% decline in, in about, by the way, 30 months or so, 22 and a half years. 
that's pretty quick for an 80% decline. So it's that eraser that can be a, a, a huge detriment. And what we're, what we're looking to see are, is that kind of pattern happening again. In other words, where we're seeing the, some of the small tech companies um, kind of have a tough time, but sometimes it expands to the larger tech companies. And it was the, the tech wreck, if you will, in 2002 that led the overall market in decline we're watching this very carefully because the, that pattern may be uh, showing up again uh, in terms of this peeling off the smaller companies and then we get to the larger companies. So stay tuned because, as I say, our research team is suggesting that this, uh, there is a trend underway. Most of us don't see a lot of the trends that are underway, so it leads us to be uh, have an aha moment. Uh, and they're suggesting, the research team, that the, notice the 35% loss last year was worse than the 2018 loss of 20% in 2018, and saying that the pattern could very well be that the next low is lower than the first two. Notice the second one a year ago off uh, 35 was worse than the first one off 20. The next one, the research team is suggesting don't be surprised if we see more like a 40% loss or more, and that might be the first leg down. Again, we're not predicting anything. We're just saying these are the things that we think it makes sense for people to be aware of because if that's not something you'd like to have happen, the question becomes uh, what, what can you do so that it doesn't happen to you? Uh, we, as I said, we like looking at the, the good, the bad, and the unforeseen as opposed to it's always a good time to buy a stock and just keep buying and just keep holding and look for the dips and buy the dips. Just keep doing that and, and you'll be fine, right? Well, maybe not. All right, so let's look at how women are really crushing it, Daniel. I mean, this is amazing. This is uh, from, from Yahoo Finance uh, and, and what they're finding, this is uh, mid-March in this report that of course uh, women are wired differently but they, have, uh, they seem to have better activity in planning and self-control. So that might be one of the reasons that uh, women tend to be better traders. Uh, and this is based on a 2017 Fidelity investment study that concluded women earn higher returns than men when investing, about 40 basis point, that's 0.4%, and that women save more. So, you know, women aren't going in for the kill. Uh, and over time, these small differences, you know, four-tenths of one percent, does add up. So we find that the, the study finds that women tend to trade less, they save more, they're more willing to learn, um, you know, and I, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about men in general, right? We, we are afraid to uh, ask for directions where if our GPS isn't working right. We, we'll go around and around in circles, but heaven forbid, I admit, I don't know where I'm going, but... And the smart men, I would submit, uh, do ask for directions and are willing to learn. And, and I think that's important. Uh, so what did they find in the UK study, Daniel? I mean, to kind of get a sense for how the US is doing versus uh, the United Kingdom. Well, it was actually really interesting. They found that the, the men beat the FTSE 100, which is the European index, the UK index, by 0.14%, where women beat it by 1.94%. That's a huge difference. That's a huge difference. 1.8% percentage points. Um, yeah, difference. Yeah. That's increases. a big difference over time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it, it makes sense. They're making less trades per year. and well, Women are. 
women are making less yeah. trades per year, which okay. could be counterintuitive for some people. You, you you think you tend to think by making more trades, you're 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 outsmarting the market. But a lot of times, what you're doing is you're kicking yourself in the foot when you're trading too okay. much. You leave yourself open to being whipsawed when markets go down and you sell out and you try and get back in to chase returns. And that tends to work against you for a lot. A lot of times, more of a static portfolio tends to do better for a lot of people. Well, and patience sometimes, right, uh, may better. Be patience, better. definitely. That's certainly what women seem to be doing. Men seem to think, well, if I do something, it's going to be better off. And, and then we, we're, our, our egos are involved, right? We're like, it went up. Uh, see, I'm smart. It went down. Oh, I'm not so smart. Okay. And, and many times it has nothing to do with your intelligence. It's just what the market happened to do that day. Okay. But it, apparently, uh, you know, this is a NASDAQ report saying that generally women are more patient and allow their investments to grow. And that's important because uh, frequently trading and acting on short-term fluctuations cultivate negative outcomes. So in this regard, men could borrow a page from women. And we're happy to give you that page, ladies, so that uh, you can remind the men that you all tend to be better than, than many of the men. <laughs> and and this, is a, this, this is a responsibility that we all have, no matter who is better at math or the we all need to have so that in the event the decision maker goes to heaven, the, the leftover, the people, right, the survivors uh, want to know what am I doing, why am I doing it, as opposed to, well, they, they went to heaven and I don't know what they were doing and now I'm really behind the eight ball trying to figure out where do I go from here. Okay, so we'll leave that there. Uh, we're going to go out for a quick break, so please sit tight. We'll be right back. This is John Grace and Daniel Medina at Fiscal Fitness. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. At Investors Advantage Corporation, our trademark statement, the proof is in the planning, represents the value we see in hard work and perseverance, coupled with a sound plan for the future. With the challenges facing our country's frontline workers, we see a lot being asked and not a lot given in return. To reward our nation's frontline employees and clients, we're offering our financial planning services free for anyone serving in those roles. So whether you're a nurse, a member of the police force, or a retail employee, we'd love to sit down with you and help you plan for the other side of this pandemic. Please feel free to share this offer with the critical infrastructure workers you know who are providing services where they are most needed. Visit YB4.com or call us at 805-495-2077. That's YBPoor.com or 805-495-2077. We are located in Thousand Oaks, California. Thank you for your service and we look forward to lending a hand through your financial journey. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
listening to Fiscal Fitness. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at ybpoor.com. Now, back to Fiscal Fitness. Welcome back, folks. We were just talking about income inequality. And as I say, we're going to cover this more uh, because if you look uh, closer under the hood, the average household income in America is 65000 That's whether one or two people are working. If we look for more color, we find that uh, when it comes to African-Americans, the average income is a whopping 40000 uh, for Latinos, it's a whopping 50000 And the best uh, bunch is the actually the Asian-Americans we seem to be defaming as well as we possibly can here in the Americas. Uh, and they're, uh, in many cases, closer to ninety dollars or $100,000 a year. And people often ask me, so what do you attribute that to? I said, well, I haven't done a study, but maybe it is the case that we all should have spent more time in uh, math and science classes <laughs> where we were trying to get out of those classes. And, and maybe we should all recognize that math is a four-letter word that we should be more familiar with and use all the time and, and, and get better at math because otherwise you leave yourself open to just be taken. So let's turn our attention to uh, something, that, something else that also captured our attention and that's uh, millennials. Daniel, so you're a millennial. Well, take it from here, I guess, uh, as a group. The millennials are great savers, and you might give a range in terms of what it takes to be a millennial. Boomers, we know, is uh, born 46 to 64, but but are millennials investing right? And I guess they're getting close to 40 now. So what are you seeing? Well, I'm certainly on the tail end of the millennials, um, from what I understand. Um, and what in my conversations with a lot of people my age and younger is we tend to be very good savers. And what we do is we tend to put it in cash. I think where this comes from is the 2008 recession and the financial crisis. Uh, a lot of people, a lot of younger people saw their parents struggling and doing bad and they started saving and it developed some good habits. The bad habits is not investing that money though. And it's getting, it's getting better because um, people are getting more into the market, but it's going, it's kind of going a different way than it traditionally goes. So what people are doing, what younger people are doing, particularly millennials, is they're putting all their, a lot of money into the stock market and trying to be day traders. And we've talked about this quite a few times, whether it's cryptocurrencies or buying Tesla or tech stocks or trying to time the market, um, they're, they're in there trying to make these big returns. And we just talked about in the last segment how how women tend to make less trades than men in, a, in an average year and, and they do better. That tends to be the case over time as well. So it's not. It's not. This is not. This is not necessarily unusual. But it's just, in particular, to millennials, it's an interesting trend that we see going on. That plus cryptocurrencies, it's an interesting. It's an interesting demographic to look at. Well, I think, it, you know, oh, by the way, folks, let, let, let's uh, pause for just a second, because sometimes these terms don't, there's no way to understand them. Millennials are known to be born between 81 and 96. Generation X is 65 to 80. Boomers, of course, 76 million strong from 46 to 64. So that would be the age range that we're talking about. And, and one of the things we have noticed, particularly in the last year, to Daniel's point, is that a lot of folks, particularly millennials of, of all stripes and genders, both genders, 
uh, seem to have gotten into the market, and we call it gamification because it's kind of like playing with the, with the uh, video machines, right? Uh, but you can't go to Vegas. You can't go to the track. You maybe can't play even poker. So let's play the stock market. And, and many of them got in around the bottom last year, March 23rd, which means they've only seen upside. And you know what happens when you only see upside? You really get complacent. <laughs> and when you get complacent, you kind of get to look a lot like that proverbial ostrich where maybe you're going, everything's just fine. I can just put this on autopilot. I'm going to get rich overnight. Yes, my fear is missing out, but I know I'm getting these gains. And then we tend to double down. Now, we put in more money. Uh, but as I say, the real question becomes, and it's a question that few of us really answer, and that's what kind of loss, that's the first question, what kind of loss can you live with? Is it 80%? Fine. Is it 8%? That's a first good question to answer. And then number two, what strategy can you employ that might work to keep the loss within your stated parameters? So one, what kind of loss can you live with? And two, can you see evidence that there is a structure by which the portfolio or whatever money you're working with can be placed in such a way where you know it, where the parameters are for the loss to be stopped? As they say, you know, the, I think using the, say you have a million dollars and we're looking at a 10-story building, okay, and each floor down is minus 10%. At what point do you want to stop the elevator? Because remember, we often take, the market often takes the stairs up and the elevator down, goes up slowly, comes down really quickly. At what floor do you want to rest your money to let this uh, careening elevator crash to the floor? And let's understand Sometimes we go through the floor. <laughs> so, you know, at what point do you want to put the money off to the side, let the elevator crash, knowing that the elevator crashed or the market crashed and your money didn't, it, your money was not handed to you. So, yeah, uh, we, we, we would submit that one of the first things that people should be doing of all ages is putting your plan in place. What's your goal? What do you want this money to do? Is this short term? Is this long term? We looked at last week how, uh, what was it, Daniel, all of $100 a month, uh, if given more time. In fact, I think it was 80 years at 7%. Uh, it could leave you with four, over $4.3 million. But if you do what uh, so many of us do, and that's uh, start in our 40s, which only gives us 20 years to work with, you know, now it means that we might have a whopping $50,000 or so. Uh, with the same contribution. So clearly, if we if we get involved in the program at, at, at in our 40s and it's only for 20 years, we really have to stuff that account. If, on the other hand, we're using more time to our advantage, that we could save, we, we contribute a whole lot less and end up with a whole lot more because we have more time to go through what the market will do for you and, you know, <laughs> uh, against you. So apparently we had uh, record savings in uh, in 2020. Uh, and so a lot of people are stashing aside money, are paying down debt. We think that's a, that's a good idea. Um, and this, uh, this pandemic has caused people to kind of pay attention and look to see exactly what's going on. But for, for many of us, we think what's going on is we're looking for, you know, putting the money in Bitcoin or in Tesla 
or Amazon, uh, again, for that get-rich-quick experience as opposed to making sure they have a cash reserve, uh, making sure that this money is set aside where we have immediate access to cash. Uh, maybe it takes a three or four days to get the cash that's invested. But as I say, the real question becomes, what, what, what are you trying to accomplish here? So remember, this is our working example. We are now providing frontline workers with, with a free financial plan. And we've learned uh, that the cost in the, in the country for putting together a financial plan tends to be about $2,000. We'll sit with frontline workers for 90 minutes or so and help you put your plan in place so that you can see what it takes to make work optional. So you can see what has to happen so that a breadwinner, married or not, can go to heaven and the survivor, survivors, can keep life pretty on an even keel. And then if you have children, yes, it'll be great to go to the graduation and we'll all cry our eyes out. I'm not sure for which reason we'll cry our eyes out for more. Will it be because they finished or will it be because we put together a plan and nobody has any debt? The parents don't have any debt. The children don't have any debt. We managed to get out of there without uh, owing $80,000 for the rest of our lives, which seems to be a situation that many folks, millennials, really feel bad about because they can see this is really kind of a, a cross or an albatross that you carry for the rest of your life. And it, it really impedes making decisions about work, the kind of work you really want to do, uh, buying a house, uh, having a family, getting married. It, it, it gets in the way of uh, folks really trying to make those kinds of decisions. So, you know, we're looking at these cryptocurrencies and it seems like millennials are uh, like them a lot. Uh, they do bring a potential for high returns, but uh, we would suggest not making any one investment opportunity your sole strategy. So remember, our one-two punch when it comes to investing is active management on all things liquid cash, bonds, or stocks so that we can move in and out of the position, out of investments, out of bonds, out of stocks, uh, in 2008, for example, to cash at some ratio, uh, doubling down in 2009 as uh, we're the pedal to the metal from 2009 till right now. Uh, so we want to see the cash ratio increase from 5% at the beginning there, 2008, for example, to 60, 100%, 1231, 2008. That would have limited our losses by moving to cash and out of shares. And it would, be, would have kept us from uh, taking four to five years to get back to even by virtue of getting back in the market, let's say starting around March 9th, while we're enjoying all this melt up, systematically reallocating the money back into risk assets so that we're back down to 5% as, par, as far as the ratio is concerned. And now we may see that you know if the market was off 37% and let's say you were off 20%, you know you only need a 25% return to get to even as we get to uh, the, the 30s and the, the 30s and the 40s. Now, particularly at 40%, I think the gain needs to be more like 66.5% to get back to even. So you can see that hole gets larger when we see more losses. And it's really advantageous, as we say, to look at how you might limit those losses and what kind of loss can do you find acceptable. So we're going to be right back after a short break talking about what Americans look like they're going to do with $40 billion. Uh, and also, we want to give some attention to uh, exactly how, sorry, 
you know, what, what, what are we going to do with all of this millennial, well, I'm sorry, all of this stimulus money? So uh, we'll be right back. Sit tight. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. At Investors Advantage Corporation, our trademark statement, the proof is in the planning, represents the value we see in hard work and perseverance, coupled with a sound plan for the future. With the challenges facing our country's frontline workers, we see a lot being asked and not a lot given in return. To reward our nation's frontline employees and clients, we're offering our financial planning services free for anyone serving in those roles. So whether you're a nurse, a member of the police force, or a retail employee, we'd love to sit down with you and help you plan for the other side of this pandemic. Please feel free to share this offer with the critical infrastructure workers you know who are providing services where they are most needed. Visit YB4.com or call us at 805-495-2077. That's YB4.com or 805-495-2077. We are located in Thousand Oaks, California. Thank you for your service and we look forward to lending a hand through your financial journey. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Fiscal Fitness. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at ybpoor.com. Now, back to Fiscal Fitness. Welcome back, folks. John Grace and Daniel Medina here. So glad you could spend some time with us this beautiful Wednesday afternoon. We're here in Southern California. It's a beautiful day. We've had some rain this week. Um, so we'll continue paying the weather tax. We'll deal with the fires and the winds as they show up. But uh, we're glad to certainly be here right now. We're glad that you could you could be with us. So we're, we, we thought you might like to know that uh, we have found a report that suggests that it's about $40 billion that Americans have already decided that they're going to put into Bitcoin and the stock market, according to MarketWatch. Uh, and that seems uh, good for stocks, especially Bitcoin. Uh, and this comes from um, Mizuho Securities. So the poll of 235 individuals who expect to receive checks courtesy of the current round of COVID-19 signed by uh, into law by President Biden found that two of five recipients plan to invest at least some part of the proceeds into Bitcoin and stocks. And based on the responses, about uh, 10% of the total gross payments or $40 billion of the $380 billion in direct checks could well be allocated to the world's most popular digital asset and stock purchases. So it seems like everybody wants to get rich quick. And as long as I put my money in and it goes up, you know, this will be just fine. But as I say, we're, we're really worried about what happens in the event 
uh, we see a, a significant turnaround. So, Daniel, what's your take on, um, on on what people might do with the money? Well, it's a pretty significant amount of money that, that people are going to be getting. And in some cases, for a family of five, it might be up to $10,000. So we're talking about some significant money for a lot of people. Um, what what I would tell them if they were if they were asking me is every every pot of money that you has 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 a different purpose and there's different priorities to it. So if you're going down the list, first and foremost, what you need to have is some kind of cash saving reserve, and it's up to every individual person to figure out how much cash they need in savings to make them feel comfortable. But for most people, it's no less than two or three months of, of their of their spending needs and up to possibly six months or a year of spending. That's the first thing. If you don't have that, that's where your cash, that's where this extra cash should go. Because then when you need it in a jam, if you don't have it, you're stuck scrounging for cash, whether it's liquidating investments or taking money out of 401k or, or borrowing a credit card or borrowing from someone else. When you need the cash, you absolutely need it. Now, second to that, if you already have that, then paying down paying down debt becomes a really good option. Um, the, that, that credit card debt at 20% or whatever it is can be, can be, can be, can kill you. So it, that might be a second place to look at where you might put this money. And if that, if you, if you got cash reserves and you don't have a lot of debt, then putting the money in some kind of investment makes a lot of sense. Well, yeah, we, like we say, you, you, you need to see what you're trying to do. And one of the couples that we have had the pleasure of working with, for example, they, they're mid thirties and for the first time, um, these are uh, frontline workers. She's making 60, he's making 40 and thousand dollars in round numbers. And for the first time, they now see that their goal is $2.6 million. They see the goal, right? Kind of like getting on an airplane. You know what time to leave. You know what time you're going to arrive. You know what airport you're going to arrive in and you want to get there on time safely. Uh, when it comes to investing, it seems that most of us just throw darts in the dark, which I'm not a, fa- a fan of. <laughs> let's turn on the light in the room, see what we might bump up against, but let's turn on the on the light so we can see where we're throwing this dart. So what it, what it means for this couple is um, we looked at their pension, we looked at Social Security, uh, they just decided that they would uh, continue working through age 70, and that way they max out their Social Security benefits. That's an important thing to look at long before you become eligible. Again, the proof is in the planning. And it turns out that for them to get from here to there safely and on time, uh, it means setting aside 15%, 15000 on 100000 That's roughly $1,300 a month, getting a 6 or 7% return, and they could get to their 26 and at that point, the 2.6 is designed to produce the equivalent income as they are working for today. So let the money go to work and send you a check as opposed to you going to work to get that check. Uh, but you got to see what your target is. And then you want to see, you want to review what's going on because if the market's off 60%, that might uh, throw a wrench in, in, in the whole arrangement. Uh, if uh, you know, or if it's if it's off sixty percent, that might throw a wrench. If it's up sixty percent, you might say hallelujah and reduce your contributions. But that way, you can see what kind of adjustments need to be made. And and I thought it might be good to look at what uh, Warren Buffett says you should do with your fourteen hundred dollar stimulus check. He has, uh, you know, he's now worth a hundred billion dollars. So maybe we can learn from some of the the best of the brightest. Uh, and he, and he says uh, with 
federal regulators, he draws a whopping $100,000 salary from his company, uh, Berkshire Hathaway. And of course, he earns billions more from dividends each year. And as I say, we'll be talking more about this arrangement where, geez, the, the income is taxed higher than the dividend. Hmm. So with this third stimulus check, uh, he says that uh, the last thing you want to do is, is spend it. The last thing you want to do is blow it. Uh, the first thing you should do is uh, we're all in love with, with credit cards, he, he observes, because see, in this country, it's spend, baby, spend, cash or credit, doesn't matter. So one of the first suggestions is, uh, sound familiar? Pay off credit card debt, all right? And, and notice that you're borrowing money at 18%. Uh, that's pretty expensive money. So you want to get that uh, out of your hair, that high expense money that you've borrowed, and then uh, see about having that cash reserve that Daniel talked about. Uh, we wouldn't, uh, sometimes it makes sense. Some people want to pay down uh, mortgages. Uh, that's very personal. But again, you want to do the math uh, because uh, you may find that you need that money. You may need that money again if it all goes into the house you might not see that money again. So if you don't have any credit card debt, all right, now invest your, your stimulus check. But again, you know, like Daniel talked about families receiving $10,000, that, that's a lot of money in America, even today, all, all, at, all at once. So maybe you parse it out in terms of paying down some debt, building up your cash reserve, putting together your financial plan, investing for the children's education, it's it's a it's a nice not net net number right large number to receive it at one time to figure out uh, what you're going to do with it. But as I say, we well recommend that folks look to see before the check shows up in the mail or in your checking account what are our plans. And uh, so many of us are going to run off to Bitcoin apparently, uh, but maybe that's uh, that might be maybe more of a roller coaster ride than you want to accept at this particular time. Did you did, did anything strike you, Daniel? I mean, it, on that note, it looks like uh, six out of uh, 10 of us, uh, our plan is to just go buy Bitcoin and four out of 10 of us are looking at uh, the stock market with our, with our check. That's kind of interesting. That's very interesting. It's actually, it's fascinating um, how, how popular cryptocurrencies have gotten in and how strong that run has, has been, particularly in Bitcoin. And where, what, what I think people tend to focus on are the home run investments, because those are the sexy ones. Those are the ones we all want to talk about. I, I always want to talk about buying Bitcoin at $100, $100 a share, and now it's at 60000 a share or a, a coin. That's the sexy story. That's that's the that's the anomaly though. It's not what usually happens. So for most people, what I would suggest if we're talking about investments, then you wanna you wanna really understand the risk you're taking in any investment. And can you really accept that much risk? If Bitcoin were to go to zero tomorrow, how would you feel about that? Or if your investment, whatever you put money in, whether it's GameStock stock or or, or Tesla went to zero, how would you feel? Is that well, that's too much question. risk? Yes. And for a lot of people, it really is. They don't understand how much risk they're taking. So for when I'm, when I'm talking to younger people, a lot of times where, where, where I'm comfortable for them is, is something like 10% in those, in those high risk investments or those individual stocks. And the rest of the money is in, it is in more broadly invested, well-diversified positions. 
Well, I think you make a good point. And, and in fact, I think it's Warren Buffett. We're talking about Warren Buffett. I believe it's his quote that says, risk is not knowing what you're doing. And I think that's a true statement. <laughs> Most of us like the risk up, you know, that's easy. It's that risk down that uh, really scares the, the, so many of us to have to go to church one way or the other. And by the way, that uh, uh, in terms of the plan for six out of 10 to go into Bitcoin versus four out of 10, to go into stocks, that comes from the MSUSA proprietary survey. So Bitcoin does seem more um, interesting, uh, and that seems like what a lot of people are going to do, but they're not prepared for any kind of pullback. And it just may be, there's this watch to see how this may or may not unfold, but it may be that Bitcoin and Tesla and all of these growth stocks that you know people certainly last year were weighing in heavily, they may be the canary in the coal mine. In other words, if we see what happens with Bitcoin uh, and it has a, a ceiling and it starts reversing itself, like we were talking about NASDAQ earlier, that may be a watchful sign as to what's unfolding. In other words, the, the it, it's not uncommon in a bad market to notice that the stocks that went up the highest go down the fastest and the most. So, Many of us look at last minute's re, uh, winner, last year's winner, what we're thinking is going to be this year's winner. We invest heavily. And then part of a, some of us even borrow against, you know, so that we can invest even more. Uh, so now we've in, in, incurred leverage. It's one thing to lose your investment. Uh, but if you've, in, if you've included leverage in the equation, you can, you can lose your investment and some cash because the negative is larger than the amount that you invested and you did this on margin. So now you've got to make up for not only the stock loss or the Bitcoin loss, but the, the, the loss of the investment value to pay back the bank that you borrowed the money against. And, and this is very lucrative from the, for them, the banks or the brokerage firms. And part of what we're watching are, are these uh, the levels of, of debt? And we find them um, alarming. And by the way, that includes consumers. It includes businesses, but they often have a lot of cash, the businesses do. And it includes government. Uh, that's be, that'll be something that, that we cover in the future in terms of the debt that the U.S. government is um, currently way involved in. <laughs> and not just notice each, each president, I think, since... Uh, since um, Jimmy Carter, well, maybe not Jimmy Carter, but uh, certainly Mr. Clinton, each uh, debt level has increased significantly by each president that, that followed. Uh, at some point, the debt is what can get you in trouble uh, because it's like the music stops on the carousel and, the, and everybody has to get off and, it, and it's a whole new ball game. So have you made a, a plan as to what you're doing with your stimulus check? I don't plan on getting one, actually. No. Unfortunately, it phases the it phases out uh, in income. So I think I'm ah. a, little, a little above that 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 income threshold. Okay. Well, you, I'm sure you'll have some advice about those folks that aren't making the kind of money you and your wife are making. Uh, <laughs> but it'll will be interesting to see what we what we do with this this found money. I hope we do the right thing. Uh, I hope we just don't blow it because right? once it's gone, it's 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 over. 
last year it seemed like like almost all of it went to went to the stock market and and it did it did well and it really pushed the market up so i would not be surprised if if a large portion goes goes there if not to something like bitcoin but certainly investments and that's we're talking about a bigger chunk of money this time so it'll be really interesting to see how the markets kind of react to this yeah, it, it will. And then a lot of folks are saying this is, uh, you know, good wins behind our backs. As I say, we're going to be looking at both sides of the equation and uh, certainly around the debt. But this pattern that, uh, you know, the, the government or certainly the Fed is going to do everything it possibly can to keep everything afloat, as much liquidity in the equation as possible. Uh, that's all good. But at some point, there it may be like, uh, you know, trying to <laughs> eliminate on a rope, right? It, it just doesn't work. It's not gonna work for, for long. So uh, we're, we'll, they will pull out all the, 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 the pieces to the, in their toolbox that they can play. But sometimes what we've got to recognize, and the Fed hasn't really helped us do this at all. We always look for the salvation. The Fed's always been the salvation. At some point, they run out of bullets, or the bullets just don't work the way they used to. And it's, I think the best way to look at it is to look at the economy, the stock market, the real estate market, more as the, something like the, the changes of the season. There is always a winter. Sometimes they can be very harsh. And uh, spring always follows winter. So what we want to do is no matter how harsh the winter might show up this year, we want to be prepared for it. We want to winterize, right, Uh, weatherize uh, everything that we have so that maybe what it is we have actually gets stronger in the winter. That does happen in nature so that we're ready for spring. But spring always follows winter. So we're saying, yes, let's prepare for, enjoy the melt up but prepare for a meltdown that could be more serious and more severe than anything you've imagined. Prepare for it now and, and be ready with the cash to be, to, to be redeployed so you can catch the next wave. But that way you're not trying to protect your equity, wherever that equity might be, because if it falls and it doesn't come back, that causes a lot of people to have sincere regret. How can we maybe move the marbles off the table when necessary and uh, redeploy that, that uh, dried powder, if you will, in, a, in another up market sometime in the future. But it may mean, you know, getting the cash out of positions or putting positions that were invested into cash so that if the market does uh, fall off the, the, the end of the earth, you have that cash with which to redeploy in other assets that might be on the next upswing. All right. We're going to leave it there for now. This is uh, Daniel Medina, my cohort in crime, and John Grace here at uh, Voice America. We're here every Wednesday from 12 to 1. So we'll be right here and look forward to having you joining us next week. Bye-bye for now. Thank you for tuning to Fiscal Fitness. Please join John Grace and co-host Daniel Medina again next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have an excellent week.